How's everyone feeling today? So when I, when I ask you a question, if, if it feels right to you, I want you to say super. How's everyone feeling today? Super. super. And I want to honor you for being here because uh, I've been going to seminars and events my whole life. How is it so far for everybody? Super. Yeah, it was a test, right? A lot of people think it's your retention when people forget something. Let, let's do this for example. Take a right hand, shake it out. How many people here want to learn faster? How many people want to remember more? Yeah? Watch this. Make a fist. Now put it to your chin. Where's your chin, everybody? <laughs> so the number one rule, the art of memory, the art of learning, is the art of attention. The art of learning is the art of attention. And really, that's where observation, that's where presence comes in. And so I'm going to be sharing with you some of my favorite strategies and states to be able to learn any subject or skill faster. How many people like that idea? Now, in order to be able to do this, let me first start by acknowledging you for being here because I believe there's a success formula and it takes two parts. It takes first showing up. 50% of success is just showing up. And I appreciate your ability to show up here today because most people aren't here. True or true? Right? I mean, I'll ask, also ask questions that we know the answers to. <laughs> true or true, right? And so we show up here, and most people don't show up. I think in life, you want to show up. Show up for your health, show up for your relationships, show up for your career, show up for your service. But just showing up, is that just going to get the job done? No, you have to what? Yeah, you play full out, right? You have to play full out. How many people here like to play? By the way, who are the fastest learners on the planet? Who? I, I did this uh, to a group of 10,000 people from 60 countries, and a whole table yelled out, pygmies. <laughs> and if anybody knows why pygmies are such great learners, please tell me. But children, right? Children. How fast can a child learn a musical instrument compared to an adult? How fast can they learn a second or third language? They learn fast, right? Because they have, why do children learn quickly? Because why? They, they don't know. Good. What else? They're curious. They have attention. What else? They have time, <laughs> certainly. No limits. They don't have the, the learned helplessness. Very good. They're not thinking about the mortgage payment. Focus, right? I mean, they're curious and they play a lot. Remember as a kid, you went to your friends and you were like, you, you want to come out and play? Do you want to play? But later on, it was, we got rid of the word play and we started saying, it's hang out, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a difference, right? And the curiosity is important also. There's a, there's a Rumi quote um, from the poet said, trade your cleverness for bewilderment. Isn't that a great word, bewilderment? When's the last time you were in that state? We're talking about genius states and superhero states. When's the last time you were in that state of bewilderment? I mean, so who's in control of your state, by the way? Who's in control of how you feel? What's this, when we're defining a state, how would you define a state? What does it mean? It's like your mood. What else? This is where the active part comes in here. It's your emotions, like a snapshot of your mind and your body, how you feel. Here's the key. Do this. Information. Do this. Put your hands out. Information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. Long-term memory. How many people know this? How many people you hear a song and it'll take you back to when you were a child? Raise your hand. How many people, it's not a song, but maybe it's a fragrance or a food that will take you back decades? Because information combined with emotion became a long-term memory, right? Because we're not logical, we're what? 
We don't do things logically all the time. We do things what? Emotionally, right? Because we're not logical, we're biological. We're not logical, we're biological. And so what I want to talk about is how to unlock what we call your super brain. I'm going to talk about the states, these emotional states where the best of you shows up automatically, where you don't have those limits. Now, in my breakout, I'm going to talk about the strategies, how to read faster, how to remember names, step-by-step, how to learn another language. Those are the strategies. But you always start with state. Everyone wants to write this down. All learning is state-dependent. All learning is state-dependent. That the emotional state that you feel when you're learning something gets anchored to the learning. Does that make sense? By the way, what was the state that you felt back in school? Primarily, how did you mostly feel in class? Bored, and the other, class, the other half of the class is like confused, right? Now, on a scale of zero to 10, what's boredom? On a scale of zero to 10? Zero. Anything times zero becomes what? Zero, and that's why a lot of people don't remember what they learn. It's the emotional state. Does that make sense? Let's test this out. Stand up real quick. Stand up. I have no slides for you. I'm just going to take you through exercises. How many people like experiential learning? So it gets in your body, right? So what we're going to do here is we're going to play some games. We already said that children are the fastest learners, right? Ch children are the fastest learners. How many people here feel like you want to learn more in less time? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have books on your shelf you haven't read. More than one. And it becomes, like Lisa Nichols talked about, it becomes shelf help, not self-help, right? <laughs> How many people here get more than 10 emails a day? How many people came here today like to have a better memory? How many people forgot why you came here today? <laughs> have you ever done that, walk into a room of your own home and just forgot why you're there? Anyone feel like senior moments are coming a little bit early? <laughs> like you're in, the, you're in the shower and you can't remember if you shampooed your hair. <laughs> and you end up doing it twice, right? Or you misplace things. How many people here know somebody, maybe personally, who misplaces things all the time? the remote control, the, the, the Apple remote, their phone. Have you ever found yourself calling your own phone, hoping you kept it on? <laughs> or maybe you lose something like your car keys, or not, something larger like your car. You ever see the people out in the malls, and they're using their like, car alarm, trying to figure out where they, <laughs> where they parked their car? And, so, and what about names? How many people here, honestly, you have trouble remembering people's names? How many people have forgot the name of somebody in this room? Right? And so let's start with my name. Hopefully you remember it. My name is Jim Quick with Quick Learning, and I help people to learn quickly. The question I always get is about my last name. My last name really is Quick. I didn't change it to do what I do. Um, with a name like Quick, you can say my life and my destiny was pretty much planned out. I had to be a, I had to be a runner back in school, um, which is a lot of pressure when it says Quick right on your shirt. <laughs> um, I have to be very careful when I'm driving, because the worst name to have on your driver's license when you get pulled over for speeding is the name Quick, right? Because you're not going to talk your way out of that speeding ticket. And I get to do my mission, my dharma, which is helping people to learn faster. I think if there's any skill to be able to master in the 21st century, something that's going to give you a real tangible advantage, it's your ability to learn quickly. And uh, only because it's a sign of the times, because digital overload, digital distraction, I mean, so many things vying for our attention. How do you get things done? But when I talk about speed, I don't talk about just, fran I'm not talking about frantic speed. You could, like, you could actually learn faster and actually have an ease, a confidence, a peace of mind. How many people would like to have that? 
be able to succeed, but also have this level of, of harmony inside of yourself, this clarity of thought. And it's the idea, how many people here read um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey? What's the seventh habit? <laughs> oh, sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw, very good. Sharpen the saw. The metaphor here is if you have all this wood to cut and you have a saw with a dull blade, when do you want to sharpen it? Before you start cutting the wood, right? Because a lot of people are going to work, hard, is going to work a lot harder if you have a dull blade and they have to sweat and perspire and work three or four times harder when they could have sharpened their saw. And so learning how to learn, like Vishen was talking about, that's you sharpening the saw. Because anything that comes afterwards is going to be easier, right? And so if that person's not working harder, they're working what? Smarter. And one of the best ways to work smarter is accessing your genius states. So I'm going to test this out. We said that children are the fastest learners, right? That they have this curiosity and they play all the time. Let's see how, how many people here, raise your hand if you're willing to play. Now, it's been shown in science, the research, by, doing, by playing more actually creates neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. What's neurogenesis? New growth, new brain cells. How many people like the idea of creating new, more new brain cells? What about neuroplasticity? What does that mean? More connections. So intelligence, in a way, is not necessarily, like Einstein didn't have a bigger brain than anyone here. Probably, it was actually less. Uh, he had a smaller brain. But in certain areas of his brain, he had highly connectedness. He, he did these thought experiments where he would put himself in these brainwave states, specifically theta state, the, state of, the theta state of creativity. That's the state that you're in when you shower. How many people notice when you're showering, you come up with all these wonderful ideas? And it's always when you can't write something down, right? And so that's the theta state. That's a relaxed state of creativity. You're inspired. You come up with new ideas. New things come out of you, right? And uh, I actually took six showers this morning just to prepare for this presentation. <laughs> so you take, it puts you in creative state. And so he had more connections in certain areas. And so you could promote that by playing more. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to find two people in the room you do not know, pair up in threes, go. Find two people you do not know, pair up in threes. <laughs> so we're going to go through a quick exercise. And basically what I want to do is we're going to talk about superheroes a lot. I, uh, I grew up with learning challenges. Some of you know I had a brain injury when I was five years old, a head injury that left me with certain disabilities. Teachers would have to repeat themselves three, four, five, six times, and then eventually I would just pretend I understood, but I didn't, mostly, most of the time did not understand. I had very bad focus issues. I had very bad memory. It took me an extra three and a half years just to learn how to read. And I learned how to read by reading comic books, actually, late at night. Something about, any comic book fans here? Or superhero fans, geeks? I, something about looking at the, the superheroes and good versus evil and the illustrations, that, the idea that one person can make a difference. How many people believe one person can make a difference, right? That they provide hope and they provide real help. And when I look here, I look at a room full of superheroes. Because I said, in the beginning, I said, you know, it's just showing up and then playing full out. And so what does a superhero do? They have, what's the defining characteristics of a superhero? They have superpowers, right? And does, how many people hire, have found their unique ability, their superpower? You're discovering it, right? Your unique talent, your unique strength, something that's unique to you. But then just having a superpower, does that make you a superhero? You have to use that power for what? For good, for some kind of purpose on top of that, right? And so I love 
sharing space and time with modern-day superheroes. But there are also some modern-day supervillains, right? These, these ideas of uh, these phenomena of like digital overload. How many people feel like when you're learning something, it feels like you're taking a sip of water out of a fire hose? Raise your hand, right? And, it, and not that just that, it's, it, it has an effect on our health also, right? They call it information fatigue syndrome. Information fatigue syndrome, because everything is a syndrome, right? So higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness, or even if you have a little bit of free time, you can't even enjoy because your mind's still multitasking. And also, not just the supervillain of digital overload, but digital distraction. How many people feel like your mind is so distracted and you can't focus on just one thing anymore? Raise your hand. And this is a challenge. That takes away from your ability to be present, your ability to be able to get things done, your ability to be able to be profitable. And I don't just mean financially profitable. That's obvious, right? We live in an age where it's not your muscle power, it's more your mind power. It's not your brute strength, it's your, it's your brain strength, right? And so the faster you can learn, certainly the faster you can earn, but not just financially, in all the areas of your life, all the treasures of your life, your health, your relationships, your career. So what we're going to do is this exercise of play, and then we're going to start with this state, this childhood state of curiosity and wonder. And you're going to meet these, your individuals, the people that, your new friends. And I want you to decide right now, who's Batman, who's Superman, and who's Wonder Woman? Go. So who's Batman, who's Super... Okay, Batman, raise your hand. All the Batmans, raise your hand. Very good. What about Superman? Raise your hand. And where are Wonder Women? There you go. Remember, information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory, right? And by the way, who's in charge of your emotional states? I am? Who's in, who's in control? You are, right? I remember recently, I got to introduce two of my modern-day superheroes. It was Richard Branson and Stan Lee. Like, who's not Stan Lee, but Stan Lee. Who's Stan Lee? Yeah, the, the co-creator of Spider-Man and X-Men and Avengers and Fantastic Four. And we're going to dinner. I, I remember asking Stan, I was like, I have to know, you, you've created all these incredible superheroes. Who's your favorite? And he looks at me without a blink. He's like, Iron Man. I'm like, that's awesome. And then he's like, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And he had this uh, Spider-Man tie, so I was like, Spider-Man. And without a pause, he says, with great power comes... And how do we all know that, right? It's like in our DNA, right? So we're going on this superhero's journey together here at A-Fest, and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, and I grew up with these challenges, and I had, you know, dyslexia, and I, have, I flipped things around in my mind, and part of my issues um, growing up. And I flipped it in my mind. I was like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. When you're in a position of power, you have great responsibility to wield that power well. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power, right? When, when you take responsibility for something, you have great power to what? To change things, to transform things, to make things better. And a lot of times, how many, how many entrepreneurs are in the room? Raise your hand. Wow, 80% of the room. A lot of times, based on your values, entrepreneurs value things like freedom. They want to be able to do what they want, when they want, whenever they want, wherever they want. Raise your hand if that, that's you. And sometimes it's hard, sometimes as entrepreneurs, to get yourself to do the things that you need to do. How many people also resonate with that? Did you procrastinate? Like, why would you put things, why would you delay things that are important that will reach, help you to reach your goals? And you wonder why that is. I would introduce to you going back to state and strategy, that those two components is probably 80% of it. Because most people who procrastinate are they're in a state of procrastination. That's the feeling, right? Or they have a poor strategy for executing things, getting things done. 
and you're like, Jim, where's this exercise? Why am I standing the whole time? <laughs> Does your physiology affect your psychology? Yes or yes? Because one of the best ways of changing your state is by moving your body, right? Because as your body moves, your brain grooves. As your body moves, your brain grooves. You create more neurogenesis, neuroplasticity. Actually, you know what supports it? Novelty. What helps you make more of these connections is novelty and nutrition, just like your body, right? You want to build a, a physical muscle. You give it what? You work it out. You give it exercise. You give it stimulus, novelty, and then you feed that muscle with nutrition. Same thing with your mental muscles. And so, what I want to introduce to you is ways of getting into these states, and then strategies in the breakout that help you to specifically build these mental muscles. So you have more, you have more mental strength. Just like physically, you want to be stronger, you want to be faster, you want to be more agile. You could be that mentally also, stronger, more agile, more focused also. So what we're going to do here is talking about states. What are the highest level of highest level states? Peace. Peace. Very good. What else? Gratitude. Love. What else? Gratitude. What else? Compassion. Joy, compassion. So what I want to do, let's pick one of them. Remember we said that when it comes to learning things and getting it into your nervous system, information is not enough because we all know what to do. Common sense, right? We all know, for the most part, how many people know what they should do to make things better, but there's a indiscriminacy, but like in terms of not getting things done, right? And so what I'd like to offer you is this: is common sense is not often common practice. Right? So how do we get aligned with this? So let's talk about joy and introducing more joy in the room and throughout the entire event. How do you spread joy? If you wanted to spread joy right now in this room, what would your strategy be? What's one thing you could do? Be joyful. What else? Okay, massage somebody. What else? Hugs. Hugs. Good. Kisses. Right. High fives. Right. Good. So what I want you to do now is I want Wonder Woman to be in charge. Okay, Wonder Woman. Raise your hand, Wonder Woman. You are the CEO of the group. You are the CEO of the group. And what we're going to do is you're going to tell and you delegate to Superman and Batman how to spread joy around the room, and they're going to do it for 30 seconds. All right? We're going to put a countdown timer on here. Ready? Go. Information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. Right? The state that you learn something in, the mood and the feelings that you learn something in, gets attached to what you want to learn. Also, it's going to motivate you to use it more often if you learn. Because here's the thing: learning is not a spectator sport. Learning is not a spectator sport. I'm going to give you six keys to learn anything faster. You can write these down. I want you to remember: be fast. Be fast. Six keys to learn any subject or skill faster. Now, I want you to think about. If you could learn any subject or skill faster, what would it be? Outside of learning how to learn, because that's kind of the—that's <laughs> that's what after learning how to learn, what subject? What are you interested in? <laughs> say, say it out loud. Languages. Languages. Very good. What else? Computer science. Good. What else? Good. I mean, so whether it's whether it's martial arts or it's Mandarin, whether it's music or marketing. There are subjects that we're interested in, right? And we live in this expert economy, and we want to be knowledgeable about things because knowledge is not only power; knowledge is profit, right? And so, how do you access those things? So I want you to remember: be fast, and just six quick tips on how to just sensitize you. Now, every single one of these things you're going to understand because you're studied. And me, as your as your super brain coach, if you will, I want to be a personal trainer for your brain. For your mind, I want to make it faster, sharper. And not everything I'm going to say is going to be something that's brand new. 
But if I maybe say it in a different way, and you control your state, because going back to Stan, when I said responsibility, you know, with great responsibility comes great power. The most important thing to be responsible for is how you feel. Does that make sense? And who controls how you feel? How many people are feeling pretty good right now? Yeah. And notice that these kind of things. It's you know why? It, metaphorically, I look at you more like a thermostat than a thermometer. Is there a difference between a thermometer and thermostat? Yes, yes or yes? yes? A thermometer does what? What does a thermometer do? What's the function? Yeah, it takes the time. It reflects and re it reacts to the environment. Is that true? It just reacts to the environment. And we are sometimes, you know, we're thermometers. We react to the weather, if we're honest. The economy, to politics. We react to how people treat us sometimes. But is there a gap between how something someone stimulates us and how we respond? Do we have choice? Yes or yes? The difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, though, is a, thermo a thermometer reacts to the environment. What does the thermostat do, though? Yeah, it regulates, right? It helps manage. It sets a standard or a vision or a goal. And then what happens to the environment? It raises to be able to do that. Is there a difference? Yes or yes? And so that's where we're going back to responsibility. When we're talking about being responsible, the ability to be able to respond is how you feel about things, and also how you focus on things. So the B in be fast stands for believe, because if you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, what? You're right. Who said that? Henry Ford said that, right? If you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're right. Let me let me show you what a belief is. Stand stand up real quick. Stand up. You're like, oh, you're one of those. Teachers, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's in your body. You have so much intelligence in your body right now. I'll prove it to you. Jump up and down a little bit, and make a little face, make a little space for the person next to you if you can. So if you went like this, you're ideally not going to take anyone's eye out or anything like that. Okay. Now, stop, stop bouncing. I love the energy though. Notice where your feet are. I want you to keep your feet stationary the entire time. And what I want you to do is, with your right hand, just point forward with your right hand. Your other right hand, sir. Sorry. <laughs> I know. All right, forward with your right hand. And what I want you to do is, without moving, it, without moving your feet, just turn to your right, clockwise, as far as you could go, and notice where you're pointing. As you take your neighbor's eye out, notice how far you could go. Notice where you're pointing. Notice the exact spot. Come back center. Now put your arms down. Now I'm going to take you through a really quick. Visualization exercise. So take a deep breath, exhale, and close your eyes. Put your arms by your side, out of your pockets, by your side, and breathe normally. And with your eyes closed, we're gonna play a game. I want you just to imagine, just imagine that you're raising your arm again, but this time imagine you're turning twice as far, two times as far. Like you're getting a good stretch. It's pleasant. Feel that in your body. And if you can't imagine it, just imagine that you're imagining it. And then again, raise your arm, point forward. And this time, no, no, with your eyes closed. Imagine, just imagine, just imagine, just in your mind, see and feel yourself turning three times as far. Just feel it in your body, with your arms by your side. Just imagine turning around three times. And then one more time, with a smile on your face, thinking, what does this have to do with learning faster? See and feel yourself turning four times around in your body. See and feel yourself turning four times around, like you're Gumby, like you're made out of rubber. Great, great stretch. All right, open your eyes.
Now, raise your arm again, point forward with your right hand. Now turn to your right now, as far as, as far as you can now go. Wow. Raise your hand or make some noise if you want further a second time. Have a seat. Have a seat. Now, some of you went further. Some of you went 25% further. Some of you went 50% further. Yes. Raise your hand if you went further a second time. Now, here's here's the magic question, right? That you know I'm going to ask you even before I ask it. Were you physically capable of turning that far the first time? Like nobody took a yoga class and my eyes were closed, right? <laughs> You're physically capable of it. Where was the block or the limitation, if there was one? Where was it? In, in your mind, right? In your mind. And you're like Jim. I didn't have a belief on how far I could turn. How how many beliefs do you think we have? Millions and zillions of beliefs, right? Because here's what you want to write down: all behavior is belief-driven. All behavior is belief. What? Some of you went 25, 50% further, with no anything. Remember, Vision was talking about how it's not just it's not working hard, but it's you when, when you're in a certain state of mind, you could just go further and it's effortless. How many people have experienced this state of flow before? That state of flow where you lose track of time, where your attention is right there and you're in the moment, and it's the your the level of challenge is really matching your level of capabilities, and you're stretching yourself, and you're in that zone, right? Like that athletes talk about, that Stephen Kotler talks about, and the rise of Superman and stealing fire, and so on. How many people are familiar with with Steve's work, by the way? I'm just curious as context. Okay, so how do you get into those states? One of the ways is just believing that you can. Because if you believe you can or believe you can, either way you're right. Because all behavior is belief-driven. Some of you went 25, 50% or more. What if you could go 25, 50% more in your business? That effortless. What if you could go 25, 50% even more in your body, or in your relationship? Did you work harder the second time? When you turned the second time, yes or no? No, because it's a state, right? So behavior, so belief. Let me give you an example. I'm going to play this game with you. We're going to do this together collectively. I, I need some mic runners here, please. There's a couple mic runners. How many people here talking about memory? Because memory, forgetting is a state. When it comes to learning, let me give you a distinction here. A lot of people say, "Oh, I have a bad memory," right? They always say, "I have memory," or "I have focus," or "I don't have focus," or "I have creativity," "I don't have creativity." I want you to scrap that. Creativity is not something you have; it's something you do. Focus is not something you have. Focus is something you do. Energy is not something you have or don't have. It's something you do. Memory is not something you have. It's something you do. And what's the benefit of turning it into a do, as opposed to something you have? What's the benefit? You have control over it because you could put it into a process. It becomes a strategy because there's a strategy for reading faster. There's a strategy for remembering names. There's a strategy for having focus, and it's a verb, not a noun, right? And so the goal here, when we're talking about this, memory, for example, a lot of people believe. Here, let me let me shake this up a little bit. There's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There is no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's just a trained memory and an untrained memory. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. I grew up with these learning challenges. I had all these difficulties all through school, all through elementary, middle school, junior high, high school. I had all of these challenges. At the age of nine, I remember a teacher looking at me, thinking I wasn't. 
either smart enough to, to understand what she was saying or wasn't paying attention, she was talking to another adult, and she said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And I was like, at nine years old, right? And so those kind of identity issues, those beliefs, does that make a difference? Yes, right? And a lot of people believe that they can't do certain things. They could just never remember names. So I could teach them a strategy, but if the belief is, is not changed, what happens? It's not, because it becomes self-fulfilling. I remember running a marathon, and I, preparing for it, I read a chapter of one of the books, and it was on the psychology of running a marathon, right? The mental part. And it said this verbatim, word for word, because I'm a memory expert. It said, <laughs> your brain is like a supercomputer, and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you programmed your supercomputer not to. Isn't that interesting? What I always tell people is this. You have to monitor your self-talk. Monitor your self-talk. If you go around and tell people, oh, I have a horrible memory, I'm not smart enough, I'm getting too old, fill in the blank. First of all, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Does that make sense? A lot of people are like, oh, I'm so forgetful, I'm so busy, which that whole busyness really bothers me. Like where people, so you, how are you doing? I'm just so crazy, so stressed, so busy. It becomes like a badge of honor that people wear all the time. And then what do you start reinforcing? Being busy, right? But here, going back to this, your self-talk is the program that will run. So you want to be mindful, right? And stand guard to your mind because your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And so going back to this, I want to play this little game. Because how many people here, you, your memory's not quite as good as it used to be? Raise your hand, honestly. Now, how many people here, let's take uh, numbers. How many phone numbers did you used to know growing up? How many phone numbers? Shout it out. How many phone numbers when you were younger? All of them, right? Pretty much. How many phone numbers do you know right now? One, one, two, right? And so is there, how many people here have a number you call all the time, but honestly, if you don't have your phone on or with you or the battery set, you honestly do not know that number. You call it every single day almost, or text it or whatever. And so the challenge here is this. The two supervillains that we're talking about, it's digital overload. Too much information, too little time. The amount of information is doubling at dizzying speed, but how we learn it, how we remember it, has that changed at all? If anything, there's been a decline. The amount of information is doubling like this, your learning abilities in terms of your reading, memory, flatline, that gap creates the stress that you feel on an ongoing basis, right? How do you catch up? How do you keep up? How do you get ahead, you know, underneath that velocity, right, and that acceleration? The other thing that I talk about supervillains, not just digital overload, because we're going to talk about that in the breakout, is digital distraction. Digital distraction, right? How many people, I'll, I'll tell you the worst habit, because I'm going to talk about this later, the worst habit and you're going you're gonna to hate me for saying this, the first hour of the day is touching your phone. It's the worst thing you could do. The absolute worst. How many people are guilty of doing this, though? Right? Because you have that addiction to it. And it, I'll tell you the reason why you don't want to do it. I'll give you two reasons, because I, I don't want to talk strategy too much. I'm going to talk about it more tomorrow. The strategy, the reason why you don't do it is when you wake up, talking about brainwave states, we're talking about superhero states, your brain cycles through different brainwaves. Beta is when you're most awake. This is, you're in beta, most of you, right now. Delta is when you're asleep. Hopefully nobody's in delta right now. Theta is right above delta. That's the state of creativity we talked about, like when you're in, when you're in the shower, right? You're so relaxed, almost in and out of sleep, you're, you know, and then 
you're so creative, right? You're very inspired. In between theta and beta, when you're most awake, is a state called alpha. How many people are familiar with alpha states? All right, it's a state you go in when you meditate, states you go into when you do deep breathing, states you're also in when you watch television. How many people have ever seen somebody watching television? You're trying to talk to them, but they're watching their favorite show, their sports, or whatever it is, or maybe you're guilty of it too. And honestly, that person is not hearing you. Do you know that? You're talking to them, but they're so in trance, right? Television programming. It's programming them. They're in such trance, they're in an alpha state. And the alpha state is where your conscious mind is set aside and you're not filtering. It's information just coming in. Alpha state is a great state to learn in, though. Great state to learn facts. Great state to be able to learn foreign languages, also. Great states to learn、uh, information like giving presentations and scripts. One of the ways we work with actors is putting them to an alpha state so they're in this relaxed state of awareness where their conscious mind is set aside and information is just flowing in, like television. And you could control those states because you have a responsibility once you learn the strategies behind it. And so when we're coming back to, to memory, I want to play this quick game. You, you, Actually, I'll give you a third villain. We talked about the first villain, supervillain. We're talking about superheroes. You're a superhero. The supervillains that are taken away from your joy, your productivity, your peace of mind. Digital overwhelm, digital distraction. I'll add a third one I wasn't going to say digital dementia. Digital dementia. And this is a real medical term right now. This is the idea that we're outsourcing our brains to our smart devices. We're so reliant on our smartphones that our smartphones are making us stupid. Does that make sense? That, I mean, it's convenient. I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, right? Nobody wants to do that. But we've lost the ability to memorize one. Like, if I give you a seven digit number now, how difficult? Would it be you find that kind of difficult to memorize, like a phone number that you used to do years ago? Yes or yes? Because we've, our, if I take my arm and I put it into a sling for six months, does it stay the same? Would it even grow stronger? It would what? It would atrophy and grow weaker. Same thing with your mental muscles. If you're relying on your phone to keep your schedules, your to dos, do simple. I went out to dinner with 10 people、uh, recently. There w a s a 10 of us. And three people at the end pulled out their phones to divide the check, the bill by 10. Right? And we've lost that ability to use our. <laughs> we've lost the ability to be able to do certain things. And so what, that's where digital dementia is. Um, there, I was talking to Dr. Daniel Amen, who wrote Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, right? Raised $40 million on public broadcast. He was saying, Yeah, digital dementia. Like, I got something for you, Jim. He's like, GPS, relying on GPS, a third party piece of technology to tell you when and where to turn when you would normally know that or not know it, is, is actually getting people aren't going to the doctors to get checked out when they would have memory lapses if they didn't see that on GPS. Like, if they didn't have the GPS, they would have memory lapses and they would go get checked out, and we're not getting that early detection. On it just because of that. So, how do you keep your brain active? So, smart devices could be extremely convenient, but they could be crippling also. So, it could be a balance. Yes or yes? All right, so we lost the ability to memorize a number, but I want to try to memorize a group number together today. Let's try to do it. Let's try to reawaken that memory. And everything I talk about, everyone asks, like, oh, you know, I have a, such a horrible memory. Can you improve my memory? When somebody says, I want a better memory, can you help me with my memory? For me, it's equivalent as a memory coach, somebody saying, oh, I just wish I was better at sports, right? 
I want to know what sport specifically so that I can apply it, because there's different memory techniques for remembering names or languages or giving speeches without notes or facts, figures, numbers. But let's talk about numbers, because it'll be a great mental exercise. Let's go around and just raise your hand, and let's give a group number, one number we create together as a group for all of us to try to memorize. And notice what I want you to do is, I believe, one of the most important things to be able to get good at is self-awareness. I ultimately think the expert is not the person on stage. Who's the expert? You are, right? You are the expert on you. And what I think is, in terms of, I think self-coaching and self-knowledge is really most of it, you know. And so, I think you could learn. I know you could learn better by looking at yourself and seeing what works for you. Does that make sense? And so, let's see how we go about remembering things now. Let's raise your hand. And just let's come up with let's let's try to remember a string of numbers, maybe 10 or 20 numbers, and we'll do the best we can. You can write them down, and then let's see if we can memorize them together. So raise your hand. Let's do them at two at a time. So instead of saying one, seven, just say 17, and then just two-digit number. 88. 88. So everyone writes 88. Right? All right. We got the game here. We're going to keep on going until we get to a threshold, and we see if we can memorize this, these numbers. Yes. 54. 54. I'll repeat it so so. You guys, you guys hear it also as well. Fifty-four. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Very good. Thirty-five. Twenty-one. Twenty. I'm sorry. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. If we're having trouble coming up with numbers, I have to take this in a totally different direction. Ninety-nine. <laughs> What's that? Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Bingo. <laughs> Ninety-nine. How many? By the way, how many have we had so far? Single digits. Just, just give me, give it ten. Does everybody 11. have ten? I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. All right. Uh, something over here. Sixty-six. Eleven. Okay, eleven. Sixty-six. Sixty-six. Eleven and sixty-six. Twenty-three. I, where, where, raise your hand. Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Number twenty-three. Okay. I'm sorry. Thirteen. Thirteen. How many? It's a lot of numbers, right? Seventy-seven. <laughs> hold on, hold on one second. So it's thirteen. Let's count thirteen after that, also as well. What's that? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. How many numbers is that, by the way? Twenty. Are we doing pretty good? How how many do you remember so far? Do you think? Let's do a few more. Let's do a few more for the heck of it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thirty-eight or thirty-nine? <laughs> Let's go with thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. And before that was seventy-seven. Is that true? Yes. Very good. We're all on the same page. Thirty-nine. Let's do a couple more. Yeah, here. Forty-two. Forty-two. Good. Forty-two. Let's do three. Let's do th like three, three more. Zero six. Zero six. Zero six. Got two more. Quick. Thirteen. Thirteen. Did we do 13 already? That's okay. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. 13 is great. And then last one. 42. Again, 42. <laughs> Very creative. Okay. Now I want you to do this. Close your eyes and just write down as many as you remember right now. Last one was 42, right? I mean, don't close your eyes. <laughs> close your paper and then just write down as many as you remember. In order, yes, definitely in order. It's the only way it kind of works. 
All right, let, let, me, let me try to do it, okay? Let me, let me try to do it with you, and you guys, you guys could check, right? And I'll look here so you know nothing is being broadcast here, all right? I'm going to do single digits, all right? I need some energy here. <laughs> okay. Eight, eight, five, four. How are we doing so far? Three, five, two, one. Yes? Nine, nine, one, one, six, six, two, three, one, three, seven, seven. How am I doing? Good. Three, nine, four, two, zero, six. Is that good so far? One, three, four, two. Now, I, I don't do this to impress you. I, I do this more to express to you what's possible. Because like the, this exercise that we did, when we turned like this, um, let me give you an example. Um, what, did, what did Roger Bannister do in 1954? The four-minute mile. Throughout human history, nobody could run a mile in less than four minutes. Why? They didn't believe that they could. In fact, what was the belief back then? It was impossible. You would die. Your heart would ex the human heart was not capable of running a sub four minute mile. It would explode in your chest. Now that was the belief. Would that keep you from running a four minute mile? Like I'm a runner, that would keep me from running period, right? And so it's interesting how he actually was able to do it is he actually visualized himself crossing the finish line and seeing it says 359. Because he knows what you know as superheroes and he's doing these thought experiments that success is an inside out game. Right? That in order to take the invisible and make it visible, just like a thermostat, right? You visualize things here and then you make it out here. He knew it had to happen here first because all behavior is belief driven. Now, that wasn't the interesting to me, thing to me. Just like when you did the turning exercise, that's what he did, the equivalent. The interesting thing is what happened in the next couple of years? Nobody could do it for thousands of years. One person does it. What happens? Yeah, dozens of people started breaking the four minute mile. Now, in that year, was there big advancements in shoe technology and nutrition and training methodology? No. What was the change? A change in belief. Like, I remember when I was a child, I was in a, at a restaurant and we had a waiter go around and take everybody's order. 20 people, busy night. Halfway through, he was taking my order. I noticed something funny. He wasn't writing it down. Have you ever had a, a waiter or waitress like that? And I was like, there's just no way. I was very skeptical. I'm going to send stuff back. This is going to be, this is going to be a disaster. Well, when he came back, he got every single thing perfect. The salad dressings, the beverages, how he wanted the meal cooked. I mean, the desserts, everything perfect. Now, is that a standout skill or is that a standout skill? Yes or yes? Yes. He was like my Roger Bannister. He did something I never thought was possible and it opened up possibility inside my mind. Perceived limits, right? You don't know how far you could turn. Just like what we talked about, what Vision was talking about. And just like with this, I do this demonstration not to impress you, to express upon you what's really possible. I grew up with learning challenges, you know, with difficulties. How about, how about this? How many people want to see me memorize this backwards? Re recall it backwards. Yeah? That, that's that much energy I'm getting here? Let me try to get most of this list backwards, all right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, let me, let me try this. Two, four, are we, are we good? I want to make sure we're in the, in the right and the right thing. Three, one, six, zero, two, four. Is that good? Nine, three, seven, seven, three, one, three, two, six, six, one, one, nine, nine, one, two. How are we doing? Mm, five, three. 
four, five, eight, eight. So what if you could get in these kind of states and have strategies to be able to do the things that you need? How much more productive could you be as a coach, as an expert, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, as a parent, as a student, by having these kind of strategies? What really upset me is when I struggled my whole life, with, like my whole childhood life, until I was 18, where I hit a wall. I literally, when I became a freshman in college, I was lucky to get into, I was like, I want to make a fresh start. And I was like, I want to make, I want to show my family, I want to make them proud. I want to show the world myself that I was good enough and smart, that I could really do this. So I worked really hard, and I did worse. And I was ready to quit school, and I was living in the library. I wasn't eating, I wasn't you know, sleeping, I wasn't doing anything that, that was good for me, nothing in, in wild fit, all the things I should be doing to, be, to, you know, to build my superhero strength. I ended up passing out in the, in the library late night, and I fell down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again, and I woke up in the hospital two days later. And at this point, I, was, I weighed about 117 pounds. I was wasted away. Like, I thought I died, maybe part of me wished that I had. And also, when I got out, I was like, there has to be something better for me here. Like, what do I do? And the nurse came in at that exact moment and brought a mug of tea. And on the tea was a picture of a genius, a true genius, the opposite of what I felt I was at the time. It was Albert Einstein. And it said this quote that you've all heard in some iteration. The same level of thinking that's created the problem won't solve the problem. The same level of thinking that's created the problem won't solve the problem. I was thinking, what's my problem? I'm a really slow learner. How do I think differently? Maybe I can learn how to learn, right? And I was just like, I picked up a course bulletin to look at classes, and they're all classes at school on what to learn. Math, history, science, Spanish, right? All important subjects, but what to learn. How many classes were on how to learn? No classes. I mean, classes on, where's your class on creativity and problem solving and thinking, right? Where's your classes on reading faster and having better focus and concentration or improving your memory? I always thought it should have been the fourth R in school. They teach you three R's, reading, writing, and what? Arithmetic. What about remembering? What about recall? What about retention? Because there, Socrates says there is no learning without remembering. There is no learning without remembering. So B is believe. Believe you can, believe you can. Now the E, I'm going to go through these really fast, is exercise. Exercise. And what I mean by this is I mean physical exercise. Because your brain, primary, the primary function of your brain is to control your movement. As your body moves, your brain grooves. Stand up real quick. Stand up. Quick, quick, quick. Watch this. I want you to just do this. I want you to take your, your right elbow and just put it to your left ear. <laughs> left what? Knee. Good. And then your left elbow to your right knee and vice versa. Or if you can't reach that far, just tap. These are cross laterals, right? I want you to do this. Take your left hand and just massage your right ear lobe. And then your right hand and massage your left ear lobe. And squat down. Inhale. Exhale, come up. Go down, inhale. Exhale, come up. One more time, inhale. Exhale, come up. Shake out your body. All right, have a seat. They call that super brain yoga, right? How many people are familiar with educational kinesiology, brain gym, super brain yoga? So as your body moves, your brain grooves, that's exercise. So if you want to change your state, exercise and movement is key. I'm going to go through the rest really fast. The F-A-S-T. If you want to learn any subject or skill faster, the F is to forget. Forget. And what do I mean by that? 
A lot of people don't learn faster because they feel like they know it already. I'm going back to chronological age, but it's not chronological age. It's really the age of your mind and your heart. A lot of people don't learn because they haven't emptied their cup. Does that make sense? That you hear all these cliches, but there's there's truth in every cliche. That your mind is like a parachute; it only works when it's what? It's open. So this is the beginner's mind, right? So you want to forget about anything else than what you're learning here, temporarily. The A in fast. So that's the curiosity state, right?、Um, the A in fast stands for active, active. And the reason why I have you get up and shout out and do all these things is not for me. Trust me, I like I know the answers to, to most of the questions and everything. Is the active part is learning is not a spectator sport. Learning is not a spectator sport. You, the human brain and the mind doesn't learn consuming information. It learns through creating and from creating it. Your mind doesn't learn based on consumption. It learns through creation or co-creation in this in this state. Does that make sense? So you have to be active. You take notes. You ask questions. You do. You participate in it. How many people believe what you put in is what you get out? Right. So you're active. The S in fast stands for state. So this is emphasizing the state that all learning is state dependent. All learning is state dependent. I never want to learn in a bored state. Right. Most people like when they read, they're in a bored state. How many people you read a page in a book, get to the end, just forget what you just read? And you go back and you reread it, and you still don't know what you just read, because you're in that bored state. How many people use reading as a sedative? Like you have this token book that's been inside of your bed for an embarrassingly long period of time, but if your state that you have associated to this activity called reading is falling asleep or a zero, anything times zero is what? Is zero, and people wonder why they don't remember what they read. So control your state. Finally, the T in fast and B fast stands for teach, teach. I recommend that throughout this entire gathering and beyond, you learn with the intention of teaching it to somebody else. Does that make sense? If you had to, if you had to teach this to somebody when you got back home, your team, your family, your friends, would you learn it differently? Yes or yes? Would your focus be better? Yes or yes? Would you ask better questions? Would you take better notes? Right. So you learn with the intention of teaching to somebody else. All right. So the B stands for what? Let's do this fast. B fast. B stands for believe. Believe you can. Believe you can. You're right. The E stands for what? Exercise as your body moves, your brain grooves. The F stands for what? Forget. Beginner's mind. Your mind's like a parachute; only works when it's open. The A stands for what? Active. Because learning is not a spectator sport. The S stands for what? State. All learning is state dependent.、And、finally, the T is what? Teach. Because when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Let me close with this. This is how I used this once, and so I think children, going back to childhood, this is you're the fastest learners, right? And you could access that at any time because you have an inner what? Child. You do have an inner child. How many people believe they have an inner child? A child inside there that is a genius that could learn that maybe needs to hear some words from you every so often, right? And so,、um, a few years ago, I'll close with this. A few years ago. I, because I remembered someone, someone's name, it led to business. That how many people believe remembering names is important? Because if you forget someone's name, what's the communication you're sending them? That they're not what important. How are you going to show somebody you care for their business, their future, their finances, their health if you don't care just to remember them, right? 
And so I remember someone's name. It lit his business for 20th Century Fox, and it was for the chairman. And I was training him and his executive team on a Friday. And I go there, and because I was in state, because I saw all these Avatar like like memorabilia, and I saw this movie poster with Star Wars, I was like a kid, right? So I gave my best training ever. And afterwards, they really felt it. He was like, gave me a tour of the whole place and everything. And I saw this movie poster of Wolverine. Um, I don't, this for me is a big deal. A Wolverine coming out. I was like, wow, I can't wait for that film to come out. And he picks up the chairman, picks up the phone, and five minutes later, I'm in the Fox studios with 3D glasses, watching Hugh Jackman fight all these super ninjas, right? And I'm in my bliss on a Friday. Afterwards, he comes to me. He says, "Jim, how was the movie?" I was like, "It's great. Thank you so much." I tell my story how I grew up with learning disabilities. I taught myself how to read by reading comic books. My favorite comic book were the X-Men, Wolverine, and the X-Men, and not because they were strongest, it's because they didn't fit in. Because I felt like I didn't fit in growing up as a kid. Does that make sense? With this disability and the boy with the broken brain. And the highlight of the comic books for me was when I read that the school for the gifted, for the superheroes, was in, for the X Men, was in Westchester, New York, and that, it's a suburb of New York City, and that's where I grew up. So when I was nine years old, I used to ride my bicycle all around the neighborhood trying to find this school, <laughs> because I wanted, I wanted to run away. I wanted to find my my superpower. Something that I was good at,、um, and I want to find my super friends. Because when you're the boy with the broken brain, you don't you don't connect with a lot of people because you don't feel like you have a lot to offer, right? So I used to do that. I'm telling him this story. The chairman, he's like, Jim, I know you like superheroes. Do you want to go to Comic Con? Now, what, how many people are familiar with Comic Con? Right? Tens of thousands of people getting together in San Diego, dressed up like like you know superheroes. I was like, when is it? He's like, today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, notice my mind. I go from a nine-year-old to a 99-year-old. Because I'm like I'm in LA. How am I get to San Diego on a Friday, right? There's gonna be lines, there'll be traffic. I have nothing to wear. I have all these meetings in LA. And notice like the critic that comes in, right? Because sometimes we have to get out of our own way. And mentally, I just became an old person in my mind. And then I was like, and he's like, Jim, do you want to go? I'm going tomorrow. And he was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, you're going tomorrow. I'm gonna go with you. So he picks me up Saturday morning, and instead of driving down there, we get on his plane. And I swear to you, on that plane is the entire cast of X-Men, and they're gonna surprise Comic Con, right? Uh, with their presence for the new movie that's coming out, and I spend the entire like I, I go on there and I'm, I, don't, I see Wolverine and and Patrick's like you know Professor X. I'm sitting between Jennifer Lawrence and Holly Berry going to Comic Con, right? And we spend the entire day amazing. We come back. Here's 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 the lesson. We come back and Chairman was like, "How was it?" I was like, "The best day ever. Thank you so much." He was like, "He was like, you know, I have something else for you." I like, I don't want anything else. What can I do for you? He was like, they really loved you. How would you like、uh, to go to Montreal? They were filming the last 30 days of the new movie.、And、I'm like, oh wow, I, I've never been on film set. I would love to do that. But what can I do for you? And he says, Jim, just do what you did with us. Just share, teach them how to speed read scripts, memorize their lines faster, be present and focus on set. And I was like, oh, I could totally do that. <laughs> Sunday morning, we're on what they call the X jet, and we're going to Montreal. And I'm brain training the, these amazing individuals that inspired me, like growing up, right? And I got to see, like, on set, it was actually taking place at the school, and I got to see my real-life heroes come to life in front of me as a nine-year-old boy. Now, when I got home, there was a package waiting for me. I opened up. I don't know if you could put this last the slide on, please. I opened it up, and there's this photograph、um, on the screen. There's a photograph of me and the entire cast of X-Men, and even better than. Holly Berry and Jennifer Lawrence, everything that's on there was the note from the chairman. It said this: "Jim, thank you so much for sharing your superpowers with all of us. I know you've been looking for your superhero school since you were a kid. Here's your class photo."
the, 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 the lesson that, that you, everyone gets different lessons out of this, for me, is, is me being in that childhood vulnerable state that allowed something like that to happen. And the, the, what I would leave for you is this homework. If you, is it okay if I give you some homework? Is this movie was called Days of Future Past. It takes place in the future, and it's, there's Armageddon. I mean, it's the most dreaded future you could ever imagine. And Professor X sends Wolverine, because Wolverine has healing abilities with his mind, sends him back in time as like the communicator to talk to his younger self. So Professor X sends Wolverine back in time to talk to the younger version of Professor X to tell him something so that way the future gets changed. Does that make sense? So my question for you is this. If you could go back to that child inside of you, that younger self, and right now tell them something that they need to hear, what would that be? If you could go back and pass on a message to your younger self, what would it be? And if you were to go in the future, one year, two years, five years, 10 years ahead in the future, I believe you have wisdom inside of you. I believe you have greatness inside of you and genius that you're not even, even tapped in those states. If you were to project 10 years ahead of time and look back on this day right now, what does your current self need to hear from your future self? I have a quote that I get quoted on more than anything else. It talks about an egg and stress, that your egg is like your life, that if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. And all great things begin on the inside. Thank you very much.